Empire Direct, basement level. Ahoy there, Pete. Ah, I was hoping to sneak up on you. <laughs> Fat chance of that there, mate. That there prosthetic leg of yours gives you away for miles around. Aye, I've been waiting for me annual medical flex spending plan allowance to reset before I got it replaced. Four more weeks. Well, if, if you can wait just another two months, it's probably smarter to put it off till after the first of the year, because that's when all them new tax incentives kick in. Good thinking, Jones. Now, where is the captain? Uh, I don't know. He's a mite overdue. He kind of has me a bit worried. I mean, this job's been far too easy so far. Ah, quit your fretting, mate. Captain only cares that you and me are on time. He's not much for his own punctuality. I suppose, but all the same, I'm kind of ready to put this raid behind us. I mean, I keep thinking we're about to get a nasty surprise. Lovers! Ah! For crime sake, will you two pipe down? I can hear you jabbering all the way to the stairwell. Oh, you you gave us quite a start there, Captain. Aye, I hope the tax breaks cover those heart replacements. Uh, you can whine about your decrepit carcass on your own time. Jones, report. Aye, aye. Objective achieved, Captain. The Imperial bureaucracy here will come down on ED hard. Really hard. Right here, in this here disposable Moby glass, I got everything from wage and hour violations to waste disposal cover-ups to product liability scandals. Oh, you're definitely describing dozens of downright damning documents. No, these are serious crimes, sir. I mean, E.D. won't get away with a couple of wet noodle lashings over this. Aye, well done, Jonesy. Pirate Pete, sit rep. Everything shipshape in the counting part, Captain. If you like tax evasion and stakeholder fraud, that is. Enough cheating to send all the top suits to the docks, methinks. Ah, Pete, lad. Tell me you did more than just looking at the cooking. How much are we skimming from the simmering? Not a penny. What? The Imperial Revenue Service will owe us millions just for a whistleblowing bounty. Oh, well done, lads. Slicker than slime on a slipper slide. Now, only one task left to take out the Empire Direct Threat. Uh, begging your pardon, sir, but, well, we've already got E.D. all softened up. Aye, after this blow, there's no way E.D. can spring back. And like I've been saying, it's all too easy here. And like you were saying before, maybe this is just a slouch job. But we best not be pushing our luck. Idiots! You're so focused on the short-term gains with your income projections and regulatory maneuvering. You need to look at the big picture. What's to keep ED from popping right back up after they take their government medicine? Well, I mean, nothing I suppose, but look at it this way. We might get more VD work. Aye, they could hire us for another penetration raid. Oh, and what would we find then? We've already cleaned the place out. No, lads. We need to find the source of the VD and get it ourselves. That way, it's permanently cured, and no one will discover the VD connection ever again. Captain, are you saying you want to figure out where VD comes from? We already got ED. I don't want to know where VD comes from. Oh, shut it! I already know where VD comes from. I found out upstairs. It, it, it weren't easy. What? Oh, oh, oh no. Uh, let's, let's have a look here. One, two, three, four buttons undone, Captain. Blimey. I never seen you go all the way down to four. Practically showing your belly button. <laughs> you must be losing your touch a bit, sir. I hope all this ED and VD business ain't hurting your game none. Don't you dare judge me. She was 70 years old and, and nearsighted. I, I did what I had to do. All for the mission, Captain. Ah, take him on for the team, bless you, sir. 
I'd prefer not to discuss it further. Now, you might be thinking that the source of the venereal disease abbreviation, maybe a dusty old tome cracked with age and mouldering after years in a dank crypt, or maybe an antiquated computer system cryptically keeping its secrets over the centuries in its cold electronic heart, or maybe a handful of cheesy fading brochures from a municipal health department <clears> that uh, might have... You're, you're rhapsodizing again, sir. After what I just did, the least you could do is let me wax a little poetic. After the nice old lady gave me access to the account's payable system, I discovered that the source of the VD is... Yes? What? The FOB team. Of course, the FOB team. Wait, what's the FOB team? Oh, for God's sake. I know this one. It's the Fraternal Order of the Barbarians. Or maybe the Fractured Optical Bananas? No, no, that, that ain't it. Uh, the Foundation of Bribery? Freedom of Bananas. I could really go for a banana right now. Fired over talkative baboons is what you two will be in just a second. There you go with the excessive disciplining again. We're just brainstorming here. You can't blame us. Your mysterious announcement of three-lettered fruity. 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 <laughs> Easy there, old-timers. Don't shoot! I got a pig leg! Ah, pipe down, you two! No, no need to go waving them cannons around, lads. You know, we're not looking for a fight here. Now, now what were you saying, stranger? We were saying, if you boys are looking for the FOB team, you found it. But I gotta say, you whippersnappers are the worst spies ever! Yeah, with my ears, I can hear you jabbering all the way to the stairwell! My portside thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, six and sieves, and you are tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 041 and was recorded live on October 4th and made available for download October the 7th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. So what do we have this week, Tony? And this week's Squawk Box, I get back on my soapbox about something that uh, should bother everybody in the gaming community. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest letter from the chairman, the monthly report for September, and 10 for the chairman, episode 39. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we bring you everything we know about the Van Duel, and finally, we turn to the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. Since and Sibs, we are always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. So if you've got a creative itch that needs scratching, then we would love to hear from you. Just drop us an email with your experience and what you would like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is, after all, a labor of love, but we do look great on a CV or resume. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a donate button. After six months, almost a year, actually it's more than a year now. Can you believe it? Like in yeah. less than two months, it'll be more than wow. a year, like 11 episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're here to stay, folks. And so we're okay with setting out that uh, hat on the sidewalk and hoping you to chip in some loose change. Of course, we're happy to bring our show to you each week free of charge. But it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank everybody who's already chipped in and hope you decide to make a regular contribution. The more support we get, 
the better show we can make. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Do you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. The this is Tony saying, welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Uh, Lennon, go ahead and drag out the soapbox. Okay, okay, all right, thanks, thanks. Is this thing on? Okay, great. Uh, so this has been bugging me for a while, and I've been waiting for it to just go away and stop being a thing. Unfortunately, it has not only not stopped being a thing, but it's getting to be a bigger thing, and I'm tired of it. Last week, Intel, the world's leading silicon smasher, dropped an ad campaign with the website Gamma Sutra because... Hashtag Gamergate. Yeah, I'm not going to go down through the whole sordid history of the whole stupid, ridiculous affair. If you want to take a stroll down video game journalism and art criticism leads to rape and death threats lane, well, you go right ahead. I did my best to roll my eyes at it and pretend it would all blow over. Yet another embarrassing footnote in the history of video games trying to become a legitimate, grown-up medium of art and entertainment. No such luck. See, Gamma Sutra editor-at-large Lee Alexander wrote an opinion piece. Her opinion is that the stereotypical gamer, like the ones who largely make up the Gamergate constituency, is a dying breed. And you know what? The facts bear her out. The unmarried white male aged 15 to 29 is not only a minority demographic now, it's a shrinking piece of the game consumer pie. Look at Star Citizen's audience and crowdfunding numbers as two data points. As a result of a reprehensible, fact-based conclusion, a troll brigade calling itself Operation Disrespectful Nod organized an email carpet bomb campaign, telling Intel that they simply oh, couldn't bear to support a company that supports a website that supports an editor like Miss Alexander. Oh, no, dear lordy, no. And Intel, well, they bailed. Makes CIG look like geniuses for hitching their wagon to AMD. Look, I don't particularly care about Intel or Gamma Sutra or even Gamergate. The sad thing about the situation is that stereotypical gamers and women have traditionally been marginalized together by mainstream society, and both are usually forces for positive change. Gamers more on the tech side of the computer world, and women on that whole civil rights and equality stuff. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of it. What I do care about is when people start losing arguments on the facts, then they try to get away with sabotaging the people having the debate. Some assholes did it before via harassment and threats, and they got called on it. And hopefully, they'll face charges for it. So, the hashtag GamerGators changed tactics to, um, oh, economic blackmail. Oh, 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 you know, uh, hey, uh, this is an awful nice paycheck you got here. It'd be an awful shame if something happened to it. Yeah, okay, bravo. Well done, gents. Very nice. So much cleaner. You're getting trounced in the marketplace and in the marketplace of ideas. So this is how you respond and adapt. You know, the problem is what they're doing is perfectly legal. It's just not right. But unless they hear that message, they'll assume it's okay and keep doing it. Edmund Burke said the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men, good people, to do nothing. Well, which implies that it doesn't take much for good people to defeat evil. So, in that spirit, here's our not much. We're going to keep our tiny little corner of to interwebs all nice and tidy and clear of this nonsense. I've drafted a policy, and it contains one rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Here at Guard Frequency, we don't see this rule as being a big deal, either on our site or in the larger Star Citizen community in general. Maybe the kind of misogyny associated with the Gamergate crowd just isn't here, or maybe it hasn't been brought to our attention. Either way, we're going to strictly enforce our one-rule policy. 
If you treat others with bigotry, racism, discrimination, vitriol, hate, or intimidation around here, you must be inviting the same in return. And you know what? We're not going to let anyone do that to you while you're hanging out with us. So, we'll just show you the door and let you go seek your abuse elsewhere. We'd like to encourage anyone else running a tiny corner of the web to adopt the same policy. It's not much, but you know what? It'll be enough. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for October 4th, 2014, 55895000 on our way to $56 million and the next Super Spiffy Community Designated Unlock. Now, for those of you keeping score at home, that's a million bucks in a week, two weeks in a row. That's pretty impressive, everybody. 611-plus thousand citizens and 465,000-plus members of the UEE, five out of every six new registrations bought ships. If regular ship concept sales is CIG's new revenue model, I'd say the model's working fine. Yeah, I'm so glad you guys keep the money rolling in because it makes it awkward to try and follow the crowdfunding update with something other than a letter for the chairman. So, congratulations this week. You can all have an achievement. Oh, and a letter from the chairman. 55 million has been blown through, and for every single backer that has backed up to this point, we'll be awarded the Preacher Armament Inquisition Mark 22 Gatling Gun, which will allow us to hot-swap ammo feeds without leaving our ship. For the next set of stretch goals, we get to pick Wave 4 of Star Citizen's ships, and CIG have come up with 10 groups for us to vote on. So, what do we have for them, Tony? That's right, we have a search and rescue ship, a passenger, liner, or transport, a boarding or assault ship, a repair ship, a mine layer or minesweeper, a salvage tug, a recon craft, a science or hospital ship, a third starter ship, or a deep space fighter with twin engines. Back to you in the studio. Thank you very much, Tony. I voted for the search and rescue ship, of course, you know. We're, we're kind of like the search and rescue yeah, group, obviously. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what do we do? Yeah, yeah. What else are we going to vote for? Right. Well, <laughs> possibly the hospital ship, but which uh, that one current... seems to be okay. That one seems to have plenty of support. If I'm reading these numbers yeah. right, like a yeah. third, like a third yeah. of the votes so far for that. Wow. Besides the search and rescue ship, which is clearly our favorite here at Guard Frequency, and the hospital ship, which uh, is the clear front runner, uh, which one of those do you guys want to see gone? Which one is the one you don't want to see? Probably the mine layer mine sweeper. I'm not sure if it's really relevant in this type of game. I mean, if our electronic systems are spot on, then I don't know. I, I just that least thrilled me was the mine layer mine sweeper. Well, you know, typically a mine layer mine sweeper is it's a control, it's a choke point thing, right? So I can see where it might be useful in the to a, a group or a, a military organization that wanted to control a jump point. I can, I can see where that would be useful. But it starts to, to seem to me that jump points are going to be awfully crowded because there's going to be a bunch of Drake Heralds hanging around. Uh, now there's going to be mine layer minesweepers hanging around. The pirates are going to be there because those are control points that you have to get through to get somewhere. It just seems to me like we're making the jump points even more and more crowded the more types of ships we put right there. Like Jeff was saying, the minesweeper just doesn't thrill me as much as the others. The only other one that I would probably get rid of from there would be the third starter ship. I know obviously more choice is just better in the long run, but all of these ships are going to be earnable in-game. Do we really need something other than the most basics to start us out with? I'm I'm not convinced. I, I think the, the current starter ships is a perfect 
uh, way to get started. I, yeah, it's a startup uh, yeah. ship, you know. And, and you can even upgrade that. I mean, it's it's not like you're stuck on this non-upgradable cool ship. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you guys on that one. Actually, that was going to be my choice too. The, mostly because you know this game is going to be big and immersive and huge as it is. There's going to be just an overwhelming amount of different things you can do. The last thing you want to do to a new player is give them too much choice at the beginning. Like you're saying, the Aurora can be upgraded immensely from its base package. Why give people more ships that they could upgrade even more? It's just like it's just it's too much. Let let people get bored with their Aurora and learn the systems that way, and then branch out to the dozens of different kinds of ships you can get after that. What's your second choice? And my second favorite, well, the science slash hospital ship. That sounds interesting. More so the science side than the hospital side. Um, I think it would be cool to have a, a floating lab. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that one, the science slash hospital. I, I'm going to go with the recon craft as my, my second favorite. If done right, if it's nimble, quick, full of uh, EC, you know, ECM and and counter counter ECM and and uh, all kinds of you know stealth technology, I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I was see, I was looking at that, and then I thought, you know, what's to stop you actually getting something like an M fifty well, and stealthing the crap? Yeah, out of it? see that that's what I thought too. But you know, there might be a way to even tweak that that M fifty a little bit more. So. Yeah, as long as you can swap out the mounts, like, you know, change your missile mounts to a camera pod or something like that, as long as you can swap out the mounts on the M50, that, that slot could probably be filled. But if you can't, or if those mounts are exceptionally expensive or not very functional, then having a recon craft with enough payload space for sensors and cameras and that kind of stuff, that could be kind of cool. The one that, the sec- my second choice, I think, I'm going to go out on a limb here, passenger liner. Ooh, ooh, that mm. would be my yeah. second choice to get rid of. <laughs> Uh, well, and the, the reason I say passenger liner is because it would even it would open up another gameplay style. I mean, we've already got explorers, right? That covers your recon crafts and maybe your deep space fighter. Um, we've already, we know there's going to be mining, uh, so that would cover your salvage tug. Maybe um, we know there's going to and, and maybe your science ship too. You know, to have a portable assay system to figure out what you've actually found on the. So you're thinking but, uh, like a fifth element type passenger liner or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's uh, it's something else that would need to be escorted, right? You know, uh, that's another place where you could have your you know info agents exchange data and stuff like that. It would be another it would be another environment to have oddball jobs pop up. I think it would be another interesting sort of environment to to play in, and it would open up some different kinds of gameplay. You know, onboard casinos that could be fun. That kind of stuff. So I think I think that that would open up another avenue of gameplay if someone had to design things to do while on the passenger ship. The more types of gameplay, I think, the better. Some of these kind of retread previously explored areas of the game. And the passenger liner is the perfect place to hide some stones inside of a diva. <laughs> I've seen this on TV. I have seen mm. this on TV. It's a thing. It is a I, thing. I think you are referring to the documentary Fifth yes. Element. Yes, the documentary Fifth Element. All I know, all I know is uh, I want one of those guns that shoot everything. I want that to be the next uh, <laughs> uh, stretch goal thing. I want like the with the missile that pops out and the little yeah. red button that's a self destruct. I, I want, I want that gun. That's what and I the want. microwave with, oven with the, on with the smart bullets, right? You know, fire once. That, that's that's right. That's right. <laughs> if you're listening to this, FPS team, yes, that's your next assignment. That gun from the Fifth Element. So another month goes by, bringing us another monthly report. As always, these things are packed to the brim with goodness and far too big for us to cover in its entirety. So on the show here, we're going to bring you the bits that we found most interesting. Every single department has mainly one thing on their mind, the FPS reveal at PAX Australia. Everything from the team, which I just mentioned a second ago, 
to the Moon Collider folks are deep into the module. Rampant speculation time, boys. Are we going to get an FPS module dropped soon? I reckon so. I reckon it's going to come out not long after PAX Australia. And my primary reason for thinking this is that when the team were talking, giving their report, they were talking about having to get the weapon balance right, but in a way that made it sound like it was more going to be playable weapons balance than just for demoing in a video or demoing for, you know, two people in a booth going head to head and i think that much like when we had the reveal for the dogfighting module at pax east and then shortly afterwards we had the dogfighting module i think this is the fps module reveal where they're going to have a multiplayer match against some of the crew at cig and then hopefully four weeks later we're going to get the actual fps module god i hope you're right i hope i'm right too because if not this episode will come back to bite me in the ass i know it will yes i'm sure we'll get letters many many letters what say you jeff I think that uh, I could care less. I mean, I'm I'm in it for the space. <laughs> I'm in it for the space sim. I don't know why everybody's uh, so excited to have the FPS so early on in the in the. I'll I'll tell you. I, I know. I'll tell you why. I know. I'll tell you why. You don't. You know. Do you know why? You know because why? I'm not really excited about it either, Jeff. But because they love PvP but, in some portion, they like to you know stare no, stare an no, avatar no, in no. the base I, I, and and stab I just them care. with a knife and. I, no, no, I just don't care. But do you know why I do want the FPS module to come out as soon as possible? Why? Because that means the big cruise ships are closer. To ah, exactly. Ah, okay. Yep. Ah. That's why I want the FPS module out post haste because it means they've got the internal gravity of the ships figured out. Following your logic, I would I, I agree with you. Go FPS! Yeah, come on, get it out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's Ooh, one of the things they're talking about. Yes, yes, a convert. Well, and and one of the things they're talking about there is having the destructible environments and, and things shattering and breaking, and that's something that they're going to have to incorporate into the interiors of the ships on those bigger cruise ships when you can board and, and all that kind of thing. So yeah. I think I think those one of those in, internal dependencies are okay. Arena commanders out, so we got the space flight characteristics pretty much done. We got to get double precision in there so we can have the really big maps. Then we got to get the physics, the internal physics, the two you know types of physics, the the localized physics in there, so we know where gravity's going on the bigger ships. Then we got to get the first-person shooter done because that gives us our environments and how the avatars react to different outside forces. Then we can do the bigger ships where we hook in space systems into the position and location of the reaction of the avatars on the ship. So it's you know it's a complicated, big-ass project, and they got to go in certain steps and orders and. The sooner they get the FPS, the sooner I can fly my Connie. Yeah. 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 I am going to, uh, if, if I may, just bring this needle ever so slightly close to the bubble that you have there, Tony. Oh, and, come on. Uh, You're going to pop yeah. my... Oh. I am going to pop your bubble, I'm afraid. I think that what we're going to see here is we're going to see the FPS module drop in the same way as we did for Arena Commander. So I think the multi-crewed multiplayer is going to be something that would be the equivalent of Arena Commander 0.9. You know how it was released and it was like, oh, but, you know, this is what we're aiming for, but it's a little bit off in the future because if you look at everything that we've seen so far, we've seen a demo of FPS, we'll see the reveal of FPS. Separately, we've seen crewed stations. We haven't seen those crew members walking around the ship being able to sort of interact and gunfight mid-flight session. And I think that it's kind right. of tying those two ideas yes. up. So the first release will be just the, the base. Here's an FPS module. You go onto an FPS map like you were playing Quake or Doom or right. whatever your... No, no, you I know, agree. And then eventually that will come out. So I think, yes, we are going to be a step closer. It's still not necessarily going to be immediate. I really hope they surprise me, though, because 
a multi-career multiplayer, I think that's what, not just us here on the show, but I'd, I'd hazard a guess that that's what the majority of the community is waiting for now. I would agree with your guess, and I would I would endorse your entire analysis except for the whole eventually part, but that's just my optimism talking. I, I just didn't like you were saying, eventually we'll get it. No, 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 no. Well, sure. just, just remember, Please. baby steps. Yeah. Everything is baby, baby steps. steps, and we'll we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> I was just going to say, but the, the point is, uh, multi crude multiplayer. That's when the baby stands up and takes its first steps. That is really the the first part of what everybody's looking forward to of Star Citizen. It is the ability to uh, share in the experience with other people in a full simulated environment. That is just going to be so sweet when it hits. What's left, really? I mean, once we get, you know, we're flying in Arena Commander, we'll have the first-person shooter module with the destructible environments and hopefully the localized physics. Then we kind of put those two things together and we get the multi-crew ships where you can walk around internally. What's left of the game? Honestly, the, the basic game that was promised oh so many moons ago. What's what's missing? The economy. The economy. Yep. Um, naturally, just assets. Well, well. What? Let, let's define that here. Are we talking Squadron Forty Two, the game, or are we talking the Persistent Universe, the game? Well, let's start with Squadron Forty Two. We'll start with there. So take my economy comment off the board. I mean, what's left of Squadron Forty Two once we get that? Once we get to the point where we're on multi-crew, multi, you know, multi-room ships. Yeah. What's left for what's left for the guts of Squadron Forty Two? Possibly planet side. I don't think they're going to be planet side for Squadron Forty Two. I think they're going to be. Uh, my understanding is they're going to be largely on our little ship, you know, on the frigate where we've been assigned to, and on the space station, the shooting yeah. mining asteroid. I mean, I, I don't think there's okay, much well, left after that. Sorry, asteroid side then, if not planet well, side. Asteroid side, yeah. It's some sort of land-based thing, I reckon. But yeah, once once the FPS model releases, that it does seem to be like the major hurdle, other than assets and yeah, quests and missions and systems and all that sort of good stuff. Are we feature complete? Really, is that is that the feature complete stage where we've got the multi crew, multi room ship done? Is Squadron Forty Two pretty much feature complete at that point? Not content complete, but feature feature complete. Uh, I would speculate. I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I, well, I I would I would speculate that that would be feature complete. I mean. There's not much more that we would need to feature out in Squadron 42. What do you think, Mr. Lennon? I, I realized that I said I wouldn't go that far, and then I realized you're talking about Squadron 42, not the Persistent Universe. So I'm going to redact my face. He's well, blank. All right, tell me if that hurts. Wow. <laughs> that, that sounds like it could be painful. All right, it all right. tingles a bit, yes. No, I thought you <laughs> said the Persistent Universe, and I was going to bring up the economy again. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I think that the Persistent Universe, the economy, that's going to be... Don't get out the timer, Lennon. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go there. You can leave it. You can leave the timer in the drawer. No, now. no. I've, I've actually. I've, I need to introduce you to this. I've got this new button. If if I just push it. Shut up, Wesley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that'll work. I just want to sound. I want a sound button where I where you hear something scraping across the floor, like the soapbox being pulled out from under you. <laughs> yeah, he, and he does have that sound clip of me, like you know, the, like you know, Thanks, play, I'll, the I'll wind combine the. Hang on, hang on. I'll combine the two together. So button one. Button two. Shut up, Wesley. How, how would that work? Uh, I, uh, you're the audio engineer. You can make me say anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the raw power go to your head. Well, the other thing that I found was interesting in the uh, September uh, monthly report was the moving of the ship line from Austin to Santa Monica, from the Persistent Universe headquarters to the mothership CIG. I think that kind of goes hand in glove with, with the idea that the revenue from this project is going to come from the sale of ships 
and the guy who wants to have his finger on the pulse of what the ships look like lives and works in Santa Monica. You know, that that's where that's going to be. That's where that factory is going to be. And he's going to have his uh, his eyeballs pretty closely attached to that piece of the uh, universe that's getting put together. I think the last couple of weeks have demonstrated without any real doubt that the ship concept design idea is really where the money's at and really where the development dollars are and really what the people want to see, really what the customers want to see. And do you think there's any other significant reason why that might happen? Well, I think you have one. Tell me, Jeff. No, I don't. I was asking a question. Oh, right. Fair <laughs> legitimate. <laughs> you, asked it, you asked it in the kind of the way that's like, no, come on, Tony. You've missed something really obvious, yeah. you idiot. You did. <laughs> I was ready to get schooled, Jeff. No. No, I wouldn't, sc- oh. I wouldn't think of schooling oh. you. The thing oh. is, Jeff, you missed a brilliant opportunity because at that point you could have said anything. I really, you could have gone. I would have really? gone for it. I would have gone. I would have like. Could have just, hey, I, yeah, I, I, I'm no, still I got my head hung in shame for last week's flub. So I am. Yeah, I am not going and to just to spoil it for our live listeners. There will be some retribution coming in feedback. Don't you? Uh oh. Uh oh. All right. Well. Uh, no, I think that the I think this is probably again they 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 saw it works. They're happy with the model. Seems like the customers are happy with the model. I, I think Chris Roberts' heart is really in the ships anyway. I mean that's 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 what he he wants to see. You know he wants he's eight years old in Star Wars, man. I mean it was the spaceship shooting across the screen with the pew pew lasers on it. That's that's what he's looking for. So let the other people figure out how to make widgets get sold for X number of credits. You know let everybody figure that out. He wants to work on the ships. Well, but. Uh, he's got so much work to do. I I I don't know. I don't know if yeah, that's he's delegating. Yeah, he's delegating. He's got Sandy running the marketing stuff. He's got Tony Zurovec doing the persistent universe. He's got his brother doing the uh, the campaign Squadron Forty Two. He's the boss. If he's going to pick something to work on, he's probably going to pick the ships. Yeah, that's true. Because that's what he loves. And so it, it doesn't surprise me. And that combined with the with the tremendous apparent success of the ship concept idea. It, it, this this move doesn't surprise me much at all, uh, and there's a lot of talent out in California too. It's probably easier to hire graphics artists uh, and ship modeling talent out there in, in California anyway. So good luck with all that. Hope it works out. Looking forward to seeing the next concept ship come out and uh, seeing what uh, making this a regular thing. We'll see. Episode thirty nine of Ten for the Chairman is out. Thirty nine. He's he's kind of catching up to us there. Hmm. As always, Chris takes 10 questions from subscribers and gives us the answers that only the man at the top can. One that caught the attention of us here at Guard Frequency was from The Hound, who asks, Will the procedurally generated maps persist for everyone, or will it only last for the time that we are in the instance? Chris tells us there is going to be various versions of the procedural generation tech, but the end result should be everyone seeing the same map, and so it would persist. But as we're so fond of the game that we're building here, we thought we'd just take a quick stab at it and tell everybody how we think the procedural gen- generation tech ought to work. You know, let's not get in the way of like facts or programming or anything like that. Let's not be hampered by reality here at all. Let's just make things up as we go because that's what we do. So how is, how how would we like to see this procedural generation go? Lennon, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I have a few. My first thoughts uh, were that the way that okay, but we're on a timetable, Lennon, so. You know, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Lennon get let Lennon let you know me and oh, you go on. on the whole gold farming thing for a long time before he introduced the clock. So, do you want me, do you want me to push this button? <laughs> again, Shut up, Wesley! Shut up, Wesley! Shut up, Wesley! <laughs> All right, um, so how do I think this will work? Well, there's two different sorts of procedurally generated that we can go down the 
root of. It's either environments that are created that you can fully interact with, something similar to Minecraft or EverQuest Landmark or Terraria, that kind of procedurally generated, or there's the sort where it's just simply the computer that is building the planet and the missions and the content for you, something similar to Stove's Genesis system, which they've since bought the plug on, actually. So ideally... If we were doing this, I would like it to be done the Minecraft method, where a random seed is generated and that dictates how the world is going to be laid out. Everything from mountains to lakes to rivers to where the villages are. I think that would be best, and then that could always be saved, like you would save a Minecraft instance, uh, file it off when nobody's in it, and when somebody comes back in, fire it back up again. Would your vision of this happening, would that include like, placing objects at different places, beacons, asteroid mining facilities, uh, yeah, bases? Yeah, well, I mean, ideally, the, you know, in, my, in the game that I'm building, it yes. would be a completely uh, interactive environment. So, yeah, you could place markers and beacons and all that sort of thing. There's no reason why you couldn't necessarily do that on a map of the area, though. Or you don't necessarily have to do it on the landscape itself. But, yeah, I think it would be good to get that level of interaction. But I'm guessing that the point that you're going to bring up is basically about storage space. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, if, if they're modeling entire solar systems and with the double precision with, you know, 10 to the whatever the ungodly number of, uh, of units is uh, depth of, uh, of location, saving a bunch of instances like that. Uh, that could get expensive pretty fast, especially yeah. with the number of people wanting to do the exploring, wanting to do the mining, wanting to do the pushing the boundaries of, of, of space. Plus, there's 100 systems that we know about um, approximately so far in the game, plus whatever extra ones are modeling for you know jump point discoveries. That could be expensive storage-wise. Yeah. Maybe they could do a hybrid of the two solutions because the problem that we have with things like the Stowe Genesis system is that you end up getting really bizarre mixtures of, you know, there's 42 different races, 42 different mission types, 42 objects, you know, all this sort of thing. Then you would always end up with weird missions like my favorite ones that I used to play in Star Trek Online where you'd go into the system, you'd get a hell from the Borg saying that you were in their space, which, you know, kind of Borgish so far, and that they claim the planet that you have landed on because it is a part of their third dynasty a right. less mm-hmm. Borgish now mm-hmm. yes. and you're trying to steal their artifacts and when you go and find one of these Borgish artifacts it turns out that it's actually a plant made out of concrete so you can get some really bizarrely generated events if you're not careful if you don't put in all these rules to cross check everything now I'm sure that CIG would have thought that through and that we wouldn't end up with a, a mess of a system like that but that is another hurdle that they will have to overcome. I think if they, at base, design the seeding algorithm properly, like uh, you know, X percentage chance of there being uh, valuable minerals, X percentage chance of there being um, spacecraft, you know, wrecked spacecraft, X percentage chance of alien artifacts, you know, I'm sure they can have different Minecraft blocks, you know, sprinkled in there appropriately. But I would just like them to be permanent, as we were saying, and to be able to put features, man-made, player-made features onto those maps and have them persist as well. You know, a mining colony on top of the asteroid deposits, a, uh, a security tower near the alien derelicts, an archaeological dig uh, near the artifacts somewhere. I mean, 
I want that to happen, and I want it to be real. I don't want it to be just an instance where I go to my archaeological dig. I want it, that to pop up for anybody that wanders by that same spot. So I, I, I'm hoping that they can make that happen. Yeah. Although, going back to what Jeff was saying earlier, maybe we're concentrating too much about the land in a space game. But, dude, these are things in space. The, the asteroids are in space. The alien spaceships are in space. The artifacts are in space. I'm picturing swaths of asteroid fields filled with this stuff. Swaths of asteroid fields. Swaths of asteroid fields. I mean, I, I mean in, all, in all honesty, that's where I see a lot of the action of this game coming in, is in asteroid belts. You know, the planets are going to be mostly inhabited, mostly terraformed. Um, the yeah. ones that aren't inhabited or terraformed are going to be dangerous to some extent or another, either environmentally or just because they're on a frontier, you can get raided and stuff like that. But I see a large amount of gameplay coming from people going into asteroid fields in inhabited systems and staking claims out there, mining those asteroids and stuff like that. Because even in 500 years of human settlement, we wouldn't get to an entire asteroid field. I don't think that even the rapacious pace of, of human consumption could wipe out an entire asteroid field in 500 years with you know single ship mining vessels going through and, and plowing stuff up. So I see a lot of gameplay potential there. Well, Citizen Civs, the game that we're building is also in open development. And, well, technically you can crowdfund it if you want to throw a bit of money our way. So we want to hear your thoughts on this week's community question. How would you like procedural generation to work? Should it be fully customizable, persistent maps like Minecraft in space? Or something less ruinable by the players? And what challenges do you think the CIG team will face in trying to implement procedural generation? Let us know by commenting on this week's show post at guardfrequency.com or over on our show's weekly forum thread at robotspaceindustries.com. But now it's time for the news we didn't use. Jump Point is now available for you lucky subscribers. Murky business abound in clean shop. Happy 100 we as we learn all about mercenaries. The history of the Murray Cup is our most recent entry into the Galactic Guide. More beverages and bureaucracy in Lore Builder 16. Around the Verse Episode 16. That's it. No snappy one-liner. And Arena Commander patches re-enabling private matches, our own control mappings, and a refinement to the Comstab system. Yeah, and I just wanted to say, uh, speaking of the game we're building, you know, CIG actually is opening it up to everybody in the Lore Builder 16, where you can basically help define how the Galactic Senate works, which is pretty mind-blowing to me that CIG is just going to open up to anybody with a thought of how government in the future is going to run, and they're going to take those ideas and, and, and weed through the best of them. So they love the game we're building, too, everybody. So get out there and contribute to the Lore Builder thread and get your ideas out there. Well, now that we're all caught up with the latest in CIG news, let's go talk about our not-so-neighborly neighbors, the Vanduul, on Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Greetings, Sits and Sivs, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve into the guts of Star Citizen and give you all the details from the inside out. A warning up front, though, this game is still in active development, so anything we say is subject to change. Now, gather round, boys and girls, and prepare to be scared, for space is dark and full of terrors. Some say they come at night and visit the naughty children and eat them for dinner. Others say they won't hesitate to rip a man's head off and keep it for a trophy. We are, of course, talking about the Vandal. 
Somewhere in a dusty corner of the Office of Naval Intelligence lives a top-secret file containing everything humanity knows about the Vanduul. Other than that they shoot first and ask questions later, every pilot knows that, only once since that first fateful encounter have the UEE managed to gain any useful intel on this unknown enemy. That was when a Vanduul carrier ship, known to the archives as the X-12, was found adrift in the space off Garen. The ship had suffered a major radiation leak which incapacitated the crew, meaning they were unable to hit the self-destruct sequence, the standard operation when threatened with capture. So what did we learn? Well, first it all appears that the Vanduul have a love for collecting trophies from their victims. Heads, bones, trinkets, anything that proves that they have killed their enemy. In addition, it appears that knives are very important to the Vanduul, and that each individual would have their own so that they could take trophies from their hapless victims. Even their spacecraft, such as the Scythe, reflect their important cultural design. Speaking about their ships, the carrier named X-12 was huge and heavily armored. Carrying a complement of 300 Scythe combat craft, a good third more than the Bengal-class cruisers can carry, and with a lot of external armor exposed internally, the Vanduul ships are designed for war, and they take every opportunity to remind the crew of this, all 1,400 of them. They were congregated in barracks near the main engine with only the captain, first officer, and what the UEE believed to be the Vanduul's top wingmen having their own quarters. But what about the people behind the Vanduul? What of their culture? What of their society? Well, we managed to learn that the Vandal rely mostly on visual records to convey history, and that writing is certainly not their forte, with simple symbols and pictographs being used to express thoughts, ideas, and situations, and these bear no relationship to the spoken Vandal language at all. It was also learned from examining these visual records that the Vandal operate in hordes, and it would appear that these hordes fight as much with each other as they do with outsiders. The top UEE officials speculate that new members are added to a horde at a great gathering, where the Vandal fight and vie for the best and strongest members to join their sides. Of important note, X-12 was crewed entirely by male Vandal, leading the UEE scientists to believe that these great gatherings most likely also serve for procreation they're scary. Humanity's big, scary space guys. Not much is known about them. Does that make them a more fearsome enemy? I don't know. I mean, are we talking about the Vanduul looking like the Predator series of uh, aliens? I mean, almost Chris has drawn this completely out of the Predator mythos, you know, with their trophies and their knives and their kind of like society thing going on there. I think that this is one of those things where you design a game to be played and a game like this needs a seemingly unstoppable, seemingly infinitely respawnable, coming at you from all angles enemy. For a game like this, a multiplayer game, you need to have something that's a virtually inexhaustible supply of enemies. So you don't know where the source is. You don't know how they manufacture all their stuff. They have huge carriers filled to the brim with more fighters than our top-of-the-line stuff can carry. I think you need to have a sense of the overwhelming. Um, and so it's good that they sort of designed it from the bottom up that way. Well, I'll tell you, if I run across a Vandal and he's a dreadlock bearing fang mouth. And you know he's got infrared <laughs> goggles. You know he's got infrared <laughs> goggles, right? You know that. Yeah. It's a good enemy design. I mean, again, it's it's supposed to be frightening. It's supposed to be alien. It's supposed to be numerous. You have to feel overwhelmed by their sheer numbers in order to have a space sim game. I mean, how many TIE fighters have you killed in your time, Jeff? Well, yeah, lots. I mean, but isn't it interesting? I mean, this would be a great study on human evolution or whatever you want to call it. But if you think about our created enemies, they all come from some <laughs> tribal relationship. I mean, look at the Klingons with their highly de developed sense of honor and, and their mm. background. And then we've got this. And even the Karathia, the Wing Commander series. I mean... Yeah, which, like you said, it just 
it does speak to the sort of the human condition that the two things that we have decided to put into an enemy that we fear the most is number one a fear of being overpowered by a much stronger force whether that is a lion in caveman terms or a vandal in modern terms and secondly a fear of the unknown we have no idea where these people come from what they want we just know that they're trying to kill us and that scares us and there's a whole bunch of them yes one of the things that I secretly want to try and do in the game is to try and find out as much as I can about the Vandal. They sort of piqued my curiosity, kind of like Seven of Nine's parents in Star Trek. They were curious about the Borg, and I'm fairly certain that this is going to also get me in a similar sort of end. Yeah, oh there's God, just, are we going to have to come rescue you? I think so. There's just so <sighs> much unknown about them that I feel the need to know more. We're going to need more Idrises. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't think there's any rescue. I don't think these Vandal keep their prisoners alive very long. Yeah, I don't think so. Make me promise, guys, just attend my funeral and tell my next of kin uh, to not be so stupid. I, I think <laughs> I, I think I've got an appointment on Saturday next. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is the third Lennon funeral we've been to this week. Do you think he's got, do you think it's worn <laughs> off yet? Is Lennon, do you think his Vandal curiosity's worn off yet? I don't know. I wonder if there'll be an achievement for it. Oh, I bet there will. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a tidbit of lore that some sit or sib taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune into Feedback Loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Well, from our show post over at guardfrequency.com, Sean Newboy writes, Clark... Really? Foundation? Really? Ooh. Ooh, take your medicine. Missile take clips, medicine, lock and load. Love the show, everybody. I agree that the testing of ships in Arena Commander, they should have rental fees for ships. Well, let me just say that I went back to my bookshelf and, you know, I looked at my authors and, you know, I've got all the Galactic Empire novels. I've got all the Foundation The series, Robot series. Uh, the Robot series. Uh, Lucky Star. Uh-huh, okay, good. Nor- Norby. Lucky, Lucky Star. Ooh. Yeah. Your, your collection goes deep, sir. Yes. Do you have Lucky Star? Do you have Lucky Star? Isaac Asimov writing as Paul French. Do you have the Paul French edition? I do have the Paul French edition. Yes. I, you, sir... He has completely redeemed himself. If he has Lucky Star I, novels, Lucky Star and the Paul Pirates of the, the Asteroids, Lucky Star and the Oceans uh-huh. of Venus, Lucky the Oceans of Venus, yeah. yes, uh, uh-huh. the Sands of Mars, yeah, okay, Moons You're of redeemed. Jupiter, Rings of Saturn. You know, uh, yes, I. You're redeemed. Oh, okay, you're redeemed, sir. We hear from Agro. He says, "Flying an M50 and capture the core when it's just two pilots. Never shoot and trick them into using all their missiles." Once they're out of missiles, just wait until they get frustrated and crash their ship to respawn so they can reload their missiles, at which time you run a score. Great tip. Great tip. That's a good tip. That's a good tip. Ostrom writes in and says, Great show, guys. I'm a mediocre pilot at best, and I'm still having trouble with the HUD power management. That said, one trick that sometimes helps me out when getting swarmed is to go into the asteroids. It's harder for the whole group to keep a lock on you when they're also dodging rock. It usually splits them up too, so you can isolate one to go after. Yep, this is my favorite tip. This is what I would have said had I been around for last week's episode. I constantly find myself running into the asteroid field when I'm getting outgunned and outmanned. So yeah. I constantly find myself running into asteroids. Yeah, and that's and because they sneak up on you. It's not like, <laughs> and I have a... They sneak up on you. Jeff, they do. Twenty they tons do. of space rock, man. I, 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 no, 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 no. It's like it's they, they jump out in front of you. Yeah, it's like they're waiting on the sidewalk. As soon as you come to the intersection, they go whoops and bam. So, would it be better if at the moment our radar only shows us ships? Should it also show us debris? 
It should. In fact, Ooh. other space sims have toggable radar. You can have like oh. uh, asteroids, yeah. asteroids and friendlies. Uh, it would also be great to yeah. have the space station on the uh, radar so you can orientate yourself where the center is. From the RSI forum post, Zerlo writes, best bloopers ever. Yeah, I've got to agree. Wait, 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 wait. Oh! No, that's the oh! <laughs> Ow! 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 Oh! Shot Jeff right in the. What? <laughs> I don't even think I can reveal where he was shot. Oh yes, our delicate listeners. Hey, got me my freaking bar. <laughs> straight in the FOBs. Oh man, like like you guys are fully aware, I was absent last weekend. I was still editing the show though, and just when I came to review the blooper reel. Oh my god, it was, yeah. I think that should be a show on its own. From Squawk at GuardFrequency.com, we hear from Krell. He says, my biggest tip for Arena Commander is to practice your strafing. Being able to dodge incoming fire without changing your heading is a very useful skill. Yes, it is. And since you mentioned ninjas in your blooper, ever wonder if perhaps every country has ninjas and just Japans are really bad at it? <laughs> Mind They're the only blown. ones that have been caught. Yep. Mind blown. Yes, that could be. And from an email, squawkergodfrequency.com, and Jeebus Gleep writes in and says, Hi guys, love the show, keep up the good work. I want to comment on concept sales as discussed in episode 40. I understand that $350 for a concept ship is a lot of money, but I believe it's worth it. Full disclosure, I did not buy a reclaimer, though it is a really cool ship. Other professions and other ships just appeal to me more. When the Carrick and Herald come up, I plan to buy one or possibly even both of them. I hope that the future concept sales go as well as the one for the Reclaimer did. In the end, I'm hoping for an immersive simulation of far beyond anything I've ever experienced. I don't want a great new video game, I want a revolutionary new gaming experience to share with my friends. I firmly believe that this can happen and that the key ingredient to making it happen is money. It's not about winning, it's about helping bring about the coolest thing ever. I hope that they have a, a style of gameplay that fits everybody, social gamers, hardcore space simmers, economy nerds. You know, I hope they have a piece of it for everybody. The bigger the audience, the more diverse the player base. The harder they uh, fall. The, long, the harder they fall. Uh, the longer the game will last. Now, see, I've been thinking about the 350 price tag a little bit more. And the more that I think of it, along with an idea that Tony might have said once or twice or 18 times on the show... <laughs> which is capital ships as guild housing. There is no reason why, with this being a five-seater ship, five people couldn't club together and buy it. True, only one would get to own it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if you had a group like a guild, they couldn't buy one collectively. Because, I mean, what, 350 divided by five, you're only looking at $70 each there. Well, I also think that they need to put in a system for guilds that corporation owns the asset, not an individual. I think that these things are all rattling around in their heads there, and I think that the fact that they plan to pay a real-life person to be an independent arbitrator for guild disputes, I think speaks to all of these things you guys are mentioning rattling around in their wheelhouses somewhere. I think that those this is going to be a thing. From our Guard Frequency Facebook page, on control remapping, Dillick says, God sent. Oh, yeah. Our executive producer and super big boss, Elliot, finally stopped complaining. Elliot ran across some really funny bugs. One was that unless he closed the launcher, some sort of mouse thing was making his gimbaled guns drift off all around all over the place. But if he closed the launcher, the mouse drifting stopped. 
and his gimbaled guns would stay put. Speaking of control remapping, though, we didn't mention it during the news segment, but in 10 for the Chairman, Chris was saying that with the HOTUSes that have the split throttle, he's hoping that very soon they'll be able to actually do it so the left half of the throttle will control the left side of the ship and the right half will control oh, the right I'm side. I'm going back to my HOTUS then when it... <laughs> I thought you might say that. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Well, I, I better get a new fancy trackball, like a bigger one. Mike Foley exclaims, OMFG, Jeff, you won't live that down anytime soon. Hey, you, you heard him redeem himself earlier, folks. Let's let it go. Let's let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Great show, guys. I've been looking forward to it all week. Shiv's idea is brilliant, and it's got to happen. Yes, yes, it is brilliant, says Shiv. <laughs> and, uh, that was the idea of the uh, persistent loot tables, and uh, I agree completely. And Brian VC, which is almost vd says great episode sorry for fueling such rage against the gold farmers to clarify i wasn't and neither were those in the thread involved suggesting that players be the ones to place the bounties the pirate lord concept was a justification for an npc to generate an investigation mission Ah, okay yeah no no that's a good idea and from twitter saladian says i've been listening for more than an hour cleaning my garage I love that song, Jeff. Love me Irish. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe you left that in there. No, we didn't leave it in there. We cleaned it up. We edited it. We put it in the bloopers <laughs> just for you. It's not like we left it there. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It was purposely placed there lovingly, okay. caringly. Durta Durta says, I just started listening to At Guard Freak this week. Started at episode 39 and really enjoyed it. Great format. Good co-host chemistry. A-plus job. Yay us. And yay Durta Durta for being so smart to pick up on all of the key star success. Really. I mean, he just hit him one after the other. Way to go. Green Dragoon writes in and says, Listening to God Freak and Kinetic Impulse's kids sound cute. Dirta Dirta strikes back to say, 50 points to at Guard Freak for Garden Variety Plant in their episode 040. Ah. Blurb about the recent developments in what I call photosynthesis. Faux F-A-U-X photosynthesis. Ha ha. Lennon, a rim shot there, please. And an achievement, please, for a worse pun than I did. Well done. Well done, Durda Durda. Well played, sir. Permanent Starlight says, Tony, please tell me you said scythe as a dig at wingman and not an actual butchering of the word scythe. Uh, you know, scythe, 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 from the Welsh meaning to scut. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, somebody had a problem with me saying Scythe a bunch, like it was on Wingman's Hangar. There was a Wingman's Hangar episode. I think it was one of the last ones they did. It was one of the very, very latest episodes where Wingman and uh, Rob Irving were going back and forth on the correct pronunciation of Scythe, whether it should be Scythe or Scythe or Skith or... You know what I meant. It doesn't matter. Pronunciation. It's not like we're on the radio or anything. Green Dragoon chips in again to say... Wave poor ships. It's as if a thousand wallets cried out in terror and were suddenly emptied. I love it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and Season Star says, sweet, in reply to the last patch being released. Couldn't agree more. Yes, indeed. From our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash guardfreak, nothing. But we would like to remind you all that all the rsi.com posts will appear there and you can vote on the ones that you want us to talk about the most in the show. You can also leave any comments and you can influence the content of the show. So feel free to link any forum posts, articles, or anything else that you think deserves a mention. Be sure to upvote it and we will talk about it on the show. That's right, guys. If you guys would rather us put it in the stuff we discuss or put it in the news we didn't use, upvote the 
things you like, downvote the things you don't, and we'll take that into consideration when we put the show together. And a reminder of our community question, how would you like procedural generation to work? Fully customizable, persistent maps like in Minecraft? In space! Or something less ruinable by players? What challenges do you think the CIG team will face trying to implement procedural generation? Let us know by commenting on this week's show post on guardfrequency.com or over on our show's weekly thread at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Are the presets just perfect, or would you like to customise the controls? Either way, let us know, and here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post over at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com, and you can subscribe feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, start an argument on our Reddit at guardfreak.reddit.com or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're very lucky one of us may just butcher your name live on air. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're old school like us shoot us an email at squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is important and part of what we do so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that'll bring us to the end of episode 41 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 42 on October 14th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Aside from all the ways we just ran down the feedback loop, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister publication, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com slash orgs slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday night, well, you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start recording around 8 p.m. Central. That's Sundays, 2 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin a Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Jordan Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we would especially like to thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Greetings, sits and sieves, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we delve into the get the. And from an email, squawkerguardfrequency.com, a jeebus... Jeebus gleep, right? <laughs> you did that to on purpose. gleep. Yeah. <laughs> this week, I get to butcher your names. How does that feel? Okay. And from our email, squawkerguardfrequency.com, jeebus gleep writes in and says, Hi guys, I love the show and want to keep, and want to keep up the good work. I'm sure you do, jeebus. That's not what I meant to say. Because it sounds written there. I was reading through this list of ships earlier, and as I was going down them, I was trying to imagine how I would introduce them on air if I wanted to talk about them. And I got to the the one just below halfway down, and I thought the one thing I shouldn't do is come out here and say, guys, I need a tug. <laughs> no, 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 don't say that. We would, 
Well, no, I mean, you know, with with the with the ED and VD jokes we make on here, I think <laughs> wow. I could let the tug one go. I don't think I, I wouldn't feel obligated to to do anything with that one. What if I followed it up with a third starter? Then I might have to do something <laughs> about that. I might have to. No, no, no. We're okay. We're we're stopped. This is the serious part of the show where we talk about news <laughs> and opinions and other seriousness. Where you know the the frivolity of the prelude is long since gone, sir. No, Jeff, do you have anything to say? It's full of stars.